This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Welcome to the EdTech Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. As the workforce and the jobs available have adapted to new professions over the last several years, so has the university classwork structure changed. New majors, more classes, more options, All of this is a blessing for students looking to specialize, but for professors and administrators, the curriculum scheduling nightmare has only persisted. Today, we aim to get some clarity on how the world of higher education can standardize, track, and simplify the class scheduling process. I'm pleased to welcome our two guests, Skip Ernst, product manager at DigArc, and Michelle Kelly, registrar at Edgewood College in Madison, Wisconsin. Skip, Michelle, great to have you both on today. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting your insights on this topic. So let's just jump right in. Uh, I think we need to get a feel for what class scheduling looks like today and what some of the challenges are that administrators and registrars face when they're dealing with this every year and honestly every semester. So what is the current class scheduling process like? And uh, I'll I'll ask you both that and feel free to chime in with both of your thoughts. So... As a registrar at an institution of higher education, uh, we every semester need to create the schedule of courses that will be offered in the upcoming semesters and that students will register for. And that process, there, there has not been a satisfactory software solution to streamline that process. Uh, so what it looks like now is that we extract our data from our student information system and we put it in a spreadsheet and we formulate this or we put formulas in the spreadsheet and we send it out to instructors and they make updates. They send the spreadsheet back. We manually update the information into our system again, update it, send out another round and repeat. And then that creates the schedule of classes for the future semester. So there are numerous problems in that process, as anybody listening can probably understand. Um, It's extremely inefficient on everybody's part, um, both in the registrar's office of needing to enter that information manually back into the system, um, and also for the faculty members or the department folks who are trying to get us the information. The spreadsheet is not easy to work with, um, and it's cumbersome, and there's just lots of rooms, room for error in that process. So that's, that's how it looks from my perspective. Yeah, that's pretty close to what we hear across all the institutions that we speak with. And it's surprising actually to find out that many are still using paper forms. It's a real surprise to hear that in 2019, paper forms are still a de facto standard at many institutions. Spreadsheets are much more common. But at the same time, it's that same kind of difficult manual process that has to be accomplished in a a set period of time. The schedule has to be live when it has to be live. So you've got to get it done on a deadline. 
And when you're passing around forms and uh, spreadsheets and trying to manage all this through emails and actually passing things between people's desks, there is, as you say, lots of room for error. Uh, things don't get scheduled the way they need to. Deadlines get missed. Data um, can be incorrect. And it just all really comes down to um, having an incorrect schedule and not on time. And it's really difficult to enforce standardization in what's being submitted. Um, with the spreadsheets that are going out, it, we try to lock down as many fields as we can to not have strange things coming back in that we need to try to resolve, which takes even more time. But um, it's just really hard to, to get them to standardize the times or the, the daytime schedule, if you will. And that that can be troublesome. It can be troublesome in terms of room scheduling, but it's also troublesome for students if there are schedules that collide and it prevents them from taking two courses that they want to take because this one goes 30 minutes later than it should, that they aren't able to take that other course. So there's real serious student ramifications to not having that of standardization, uh, and it's really hard to enforce it this way. So have you felt that there is specifically some new challenge recently that has made class scheduling more of an issue um, just in, in recent years, maybe changes in the student body, changes in what students are looking for in their classes, and maybe just the amount of scheduling that is even going on in the back end? The challenges with online and blended courses has to do with what exactly the schedule is. So when is the class truly starting? When is it truly ending? With a full online course, believe it or not, it's harder to define that. When are the face-to-face -face meetings or when are the um, synchronous meetings that are happening um, online that you need to be there Wednesday night at 5.30 p.m.? Uh, getting those individual rows of those hybrid courses or blended courses defined um, is a piece that we hadn't needed to develop before. And it sounds like a simple thing, but really when it comes down to it, if you have a blended course that has four face-to-face -face meetings, you need to be sure that you have those individual meetings set up correctly and identified as such that they belong to that course. Um, and then it's a challenge with room scheduling because we have very few rooms. So if this online blended course only needs a classroom for six hours out of the semester, you are losing a classroom all semester <laughs> for those six meeting times or six hours. So you need to look at how you can best utilize your classrooms with that type of schedule. Um, so you need a scheduling software system to help you with that piece of it. Do you think that Gen Z and the current students that are in college are just looking for different kinds of classes and especially maybe online classes and that might be a, a factor motivating some of these extra added issues in recent years? In terms of class scheduling, I don't think the Generation Z question comes into play. Uh, they definitely have expectations with technology once in the classroom and um, 
around campus altogether. But in terms of scheduling their courses, I don't think it really comes into play. Where it does is with the adult students who are uh, working professionally full-time and taking classes on top of their professional work. And those are the students who are essentially demanding online courses and hybrid courses because they just don't have time to take the classes during the day in the traditional format. So let's get into some of these main points that are making scheduling today rather difficult. I think the big ones are streamlining, transparency, and then the standardization of the approval process. In all of those facets, we see some missing links. You know, we see things that could be improved. So both of you, feel free to chime in here. Um, Let's break down each of those and figure out why they're really causing problems today. So what isn't working with streamlining? Streamlining is a pretty common, it's a pretty big issue, really, simply because if you think about how um, the scheduling process works with passing information back and forth, especially in the form of, say, spreadsheets, in order to have a grid of when all of your classes will be held, uh, those spreadsheets might need to be passed between certain people, and they are broken down into categorizations of like each subject area or each department, let's say. And when you're doing that, passing those back and forth can be really cumbersome. It's not streamlined at all. There aren't necessarily deadlines that can be hit by everybody. Somebody might be ahead of the curve on time. Somebody might be behind. You don't get everything at once. There isn't like this view of the entire process as a whole. Uh, simply because each department is doing their own thing when they can, when their availability allows them. Um, And that really creates problems with um, especially deadlines with having that information on, say, the registrar's desk at the right time so that they can ensure that they have their schedule completed when they need it completed. Each of those departments running on their own um, cadences, if you will, when they can get work done, not necessarily giving information to the maybe the next appropriate person who has to look at that information and also having that information in a spreadsheet form it's in one piece it's not um it's not granularly broken down so that in terms of the streamlining and and sort of thinking about like a workflow and like an approval process for each of those items that the department needs to look at maybe they need to go to different people and you've got to spread past this entire chunk of information around, you can't categorize that effectively to ensure that you have appropriate eyes on everything that needs to be reviewed. Yeah, I would, I would echo what Skip said. And streamlining is just so difficult to accomplish when you don't have a technological connection between the two systems to have things go back and forth smoothly. Um, right. When the, when the software infrastructure isn't there, there's not much you can do. Exactly. It's really hard to have things streamlined when that's not there. Exactly. So then what about transparency? Um, what isn't really that transparent about the process right now? And how does that cause more problems? Many clients that we speak to, they do have concerns about transparency across, like I was saying, the, the different departments or subject areas that are being scheduled. It's not uncommon to see that if you think again about passing around information in uh, spreadsheets that might be broken out on a per department level, 
each of those departments ends up being its own silo. And they may not have information that they need regarding the other departments that are being scheduled. And that causes problems with um, producing an effective schedule, especially when you think about classes that might be cross-listed between departments. Um, and when you think about classes that are potentially co-requisites for a track that a student is trying to accomplish during their degree planning. If those different departments can't see what's happening in the others, that limits their ability to produce the most effective schedule possible. And having an infrastructure, uh, let me say that again, having a software solution in place that can give that transparency across all departments can be very beneficial for producing the most effective schedule possible. That makes perfect sense, Skip. Uh, we do have uh, measures in place to provide that type of information to all of the departments for prereqs and cross-listings that, that you referred to, um, but I can see that that would be a real issue for other institutions. And then lastly, another one of the big pain points that you brought up earlier, Michelle, is standardizing the approval process. That, you know, it's very difficult to have any sort of standardization. Um, and so I'd like to get a little more insight as to why that is and why that creates problems for scheduling out rooms and creating comprehensive schedules for students. You, the use of a spreadsheet or paper forms means that people can pretty much put in whatever they want. If you don't go to great lengths, to have some sort of mechanism to prevent that from doing that, from preventing them from doing that. So in the past, in a previous version of the spreadsheet that we sent, there were no cells that were frozen. There was, it was just a straight up spreadsheet that we sent out to all of the uh, chair people and deans that needed to submit the information. And they would do their updates and they'd bring it back and they'd send it back. When they sent it back, they would maybe change the number of credits that the course was for, and they'd pick whatever start date they wanted. It could have been five weeks into the semester, which is not allowed. Um, they could have changed it from being graded to being pass-fail, uh, whatever they so chose. And it's just not possible for a registrar's office to function that way and to have courses change like that in this type of process, that there's a whole nother process for those types of changes to go through, but they were trying to do it here. And it just created so many problems that we had a hard time getting our schedule of classes even done because we weren't sure of the data that we were working with and we were putting in bad data and things like that. So basically you were, you had a system that was just giving people too much control and too much power over what they could input to the point that it would just be incorrect and unfactual information that you couldn't do anything with. Exactly. Yep. And if I if I was an institution that was using paper forms, that would be the same thing because people can write whatever they want on a paper form. So whether it's a spreadsheet or a paper form, it's the same idea. So we we enhanced our spreadsheet. We learned our lesson and we started making it impossible to update those fields. They were just view only. Uh, but they were provided as information. So that has helped immensely with that piece of getting bad data and that causing so many problems. So that's good. I mean, we've improved that. But the fact remains, we still have to manually enter all of the changes 
into our student information system, which A, takes a lot of time, and B, can lead to errors because there are so many pieces of data with a schedule of classes. Um, even getting the AM, PM field wrong can cause more problems than anybody wants. And when you have these blended courses that have five, six, seven, eight rows, and you have those types of courses increasing every semester, there's even more and more data that's coming in that you need to enter and hopefully enter correctly. Um, so even with trying to improve our spreadsheet, we, we need to get that data into the student information system in an automated way. Uh, so that means needing a software solution to be able to get the information in. And I will say um, another piece of this is a software solution would provide you the opportunity to have restrictions on what they can change and what they can't change and what the values are and selecting the values and just having a standardization of the data that's in the system will help with, with getting clean data to begin with. I can absolutely shadow what Michelle has said. The One of the major problems is that the people doing scheduling may not have limitations on what they can enter for information. And if you can't limit that information in some form to avoid the this age-old garbage-in, garbage-out problem, you're really not solving one of the major hassles and headaches that comes with scheduling, especially when you have a distributed scheduling team. If your team is limited to a very few number of people, that problem might be mitigated. But in a lot of institutions, the teams can be very large. Your institution might have dozens or maybe even hundreds of people that are involved in the scheduling process. And if they're not all perfectly trained, which of course is a very complicated, difficult thing to accomplish, there are going to be errors. So the more you can essentially nail down the more you can essentially lock down those inputs, the more you can solve those issues up front. Okay, I think we've mapped out pretty efficiently what is not working with the class scheduling process. There's a lot, but I, you know, I think it all boils down to there's just not a centralized software infrastructure to standardize everything, to make everything easily accessible, and to just not leave as much up to chance, right, for people to mess up or input incorrect information. And so administrators have been looking for a solution for this. And I think DigArc's section really provides that solution. So give me some information on what section is, how it fits into the workflow, and what it's really doing to solve some of these problems for registrars and administrators in the class scheduling process. Sure. What section aims to do is to essentially um, solve a lot of these problems that we've spoken about so far by providing a SaaS solution, which is a software as a service. Um, so it's an online solution that you can have as many um, you can have as many stakeholders as you need involved in your scheduling process. They can track the changes that have been made to their schedule as it's being produced. Uh, we solve a lot of the um, garbage in, garbage out problems with uh, data validation and essentially give them a way to enforce rules and um, approval processes around producing that schedule, all from a centralized dashboard. 
so that every user gets the same view of information while only being able to edit what they should be able to edit to ensure that they can produce a schedule in a timely manner without errors quickly and efficiently for the institution. Which like from a logistical perspective, when you think about it, is not even the most complex solution. Like it's it it's the solution that does exactly what needed to be done for such a long time. What why do you think it took so long for a solution to crop up like this? You know, why why did how did DigArc decide and see that, okay, wow, this is a problem that really needs to be solved. And why isn't there a problem yet? You know, we need to jump in. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's very interesting because we didn't identify this as a need for quite a while either. DigArc has been around for nearly 20 years now, and we have other academic solutions, but none of them was a scheduling solution. And really, just throughout the 20 years we've been in business, the conversations we've had with institutions finally really pointed to this as a problem. And I think the reason why we didn't identify it as a problem until so much later in our our, um, existence is that there were other bigger problems. So we identified it eventually, and it turned out that every school we spoke to said the same thing. Uh, basically what we've already discussed. These issues were problems across the board. They were universal issues, regardless of the size and scope of the institution itself. They always existed, but they weren't the biggest problems that they had at the time. So when once we did identify that as a real need in the market, that's when we decided to develop a solution to help solve that problem. In our implementation of the section software, the first thing the very first thing that stood out for us was the dashboard and how incredibly clean it is and easy and there's no unnecessary anything anywhere, which for us and I believe for other institutions is so critical because so often the people that we're asking to use this software are not necessarily very tech savvy and may or may not really want to be doing this task that they've been charged with. Um, You know, they may be chair people of academic departments who it's their turn for their three-year stint as chair and, you know, they need to get the schedule of classes done and let's get it done as easily and painlessly as possible. And I believe section really provides a great mechanism to accomplish that, which is huge because if the the faculty and the department chairs and the deans feel that an administrative process is easier than it used to be or an easy altogether, that is a huge win on many levels. Um, So first the dashboard and how clean it is. Um, The second piece is the controls that are within the system and as it was said by you, Daniel, I, I don't think these are very difficult controls, but they're they're huge for users like me, where people can see the data. You can define who sees what and who updates what. And that is great because then the English department doesn't need to see the biology courses nor should they see the biology courses. Well, they can see them, but they can't update them. And there are controls in the software to be able to 
accomplish just that. You can create groups of courses, you can create groups of people, you can put the two together, you can, you have great flexibility in defining who sees what, who updates what, and the workflows that go with those pieces and who approves certain pieces of the process or steps of the process. Uh, so that ability to be able to easily define who sees what and who updates what, and then the approval processes that go with those is is great in the software. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that when administrators see that there is a big win in something like this and something that's very process-oriented, they get Barry on board. Do you see um, just budgetarily um, higher-ups in higher education will be more incentivized to invest in solutions like these, in ones that um, address operations and um, and just general day-to-day -day flow? Is that something that they're typically very keen on investing in and, and making those changes for the school? I would say absolutely. Um, I, I think it does vary by institution and by their leadership. So I can't, I can't speak for everybody, of course, but I do know that at our institution and many others, everybody and everything is very limited. I mean, there's limited people, there's limited dollars, there's limited time, there's limited everything. And if department chair people and academic deans can accomplish this process of getting the schedules defined for the upcoming year in a shorter period of time, that means that they have more time to look at their actual curriculum schedule and what are the programs we need to change to meet the needs of the students that are looking for programs these days. Uh, it gives them time to do their primary role rather than these administrative tasks that come with their roles, but they aren't their primary roles. Um, so that's really important to the functioning of institutions, for sure, to have all of these types of administrative processes be as streamlined as possible. You bet. So in both of your experiences, how have you felt that solutions like DigArc's section are not only improving the process for administrators, but then having that ripple effect to improve the learning experience for students, too? Even though they don't use or see the software ever, I'm sure they still tangibly can feel the effects of you know, when the scheduling process is more efficient. To the example that I gave before um, with standardized class schedules. So, for example, Monday, Wednesday, 8 to 9.50, 10 to 10.50, 11 to 11.50, that type of schedule all week long. If you have a standard schedule like that and you can enforce it, to be sure that your courses are taught in that schedule, um, then the students have a better schedule to work with. So their business course isn't going to conflict with their gen ed course that they need to take, which we've had that problem where a course goes 30 minutes later than the standard time. And then there's a group of business students who also need to take this science lab course. And that given semester, that chunk of students weren't able to take both their business capstone and their science lab course because of that time conflict. Um, so when you have software solutions that can help you 
make sure that you don't do that, that that can't be done, then ultimately the students benefit and they have better time to graduation and they have a better experience and they're doing what they're here to do, right? And we're helping facilitate it. It really comes down to the ability to produce the best schedule possible for your students because it's really about student success. It's not about building a good schedule. It's making sure that your students have the availability for the classes that they need to graduate. And that kind of thing requires a lot of um, understanding of how that schedule needs to be put together and being able to enforce rules around how your schedule needs to be laid out. If you can't enforce those rules effectively and you're trying to do it organically across a whole set of different people who do this scheduling process, things are going to fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. If you can enforce those more effectively, then you will be able to produce that better schedule based on the information you're gaining from your student registration, uh, from your previous schedules, and all that sort of analytic information to enforce that better schedule every year going forward. So hopefully your your process not only gets better, but your schedule gets more effective for student success as the years progress. And, you know, I think the software infrastructure and everything we've been talking about, how this affects students, how it helps administrators, like it, it's all great, but there is the final barrier of making sure that everyone at the institution uses this kind of software, not only correctly, but consistently. Um, you know, I think that's something when... Uh, that we can see when software isn't rolled out correctly. You can see companies or organizations or whatever use something for a little bit, feel like uh, there's too much of a, a learning curve here. This doesn't, you know, I, I don't really understand what to do with this. And then it just doesn't get used, right? And it's difficult to enforce. So, you know, I think there's a real emphasis on, especially with something as game-changing as this, that addresses so many issues that people have felt with class scheduling processes you know, it's really important that this gets rolled out and people are educated on it correctly. So I wanted to kind of wrap things up by asking, what are your best practice tips typically for maximizing something as process shaking as section? And, you know, what challenges could you see there being on rollout with a platform like this? And how do you get everyone to use it with fidelity? Yeah, that's a great question. And I want to preface this by saying and kind of feeding back to something Michelle said earlier we were very careful with section to make it as simple and intuitive as possible so that rolling out to a large number of users would be as simple as possible as well and give the greatest chance for success. Now that's not to say that every user is gonna understand everything. So there's always challenges around a rollout, especially if that rollout is in a large institution where there are a large number of users, it's gonna require a little bit more training and a little bit more understanding of the product and really the best practice we say for that is to typically run a pilot program if that feels like the better solution for ensuring that your um, use your end users will use the product in the best way possible. Pilot programs are a great way to handle that. They're also very beneficial in that it helps with buy-in. Um, sometimes the person who wants the solution isn't the person who holds the purse strings. So they may not have the availability to just say, yeah, we want to do this and we're going to institute this new piece of software. So by um, instituting a pilot program with a, a smaller group of stakeholders, that really helps to kind of grease the wheels, if you will, to get the product not only understood better, um, get a round of usage under everybody's belt so they can see how useful and expedient this process can be 
instead of doing things the traditional way. There are no unnecessary pieces of information that are viewable on that dashboard. And it is so easy to understand and intuitive, as Skip said, that that was that's the most important thing to us, I think, when when we're working, when we saw this software initially, um, was that we need it to be as intuitive as possible. And this has accomplished it. I mean, we, we saw it in the first 10 minutes of the first demo that we saw. And all of the backend things that we've been talking about, that's great for us in the registrar's office and us trying to accomplish what we need to have the end users do. But the ease of use for the end users is absolutely key. Uh, with with the software, right? I mean, since the solutions are so naturally intuitive to uh, to issues that have persisted in class scheduling for so long, it only makes sense that the presentation of it should be just as intuitive, right? And um, in terms of rolling out new software packages on campus, there's always there's always some hesitation with the change that comes with that and it varies depending on how big that change is of course um i can say for our end users that will need to be using this software solution they are so anxious for anything that's different than that spreadsheet that we send them that they are already on board <laughs> and from people that i've spoken with at other institutions who are looking for a solution like this, they they feel the same way. So in this regard, with this particular software rollout, um, that hesitation isn't there as it usually is, which is kind of great because I've done a lot of rollouts and it's, it's going to be nice to have something that people really want to have coming to them. Well, Skip, Michelle, thank you both for joining us on the EdTech podcast today and giving us this inside look at the state of class scheduling, what some of the issues are, and how DigArc's section is really trying to be that first and most comprehensive solution to the class scheduling nightmare, if we want to make it dramatic. But, you know, I, 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 I think you can honestly approach it from that kind of crisis level. The fact that the, the issues that need to be solved are such small little changes, and the fact that they haven't happened yet it just makes DigArc's solution, I think, all the more necessary and the more impactful. So I'm looking forward to seeing as it makes its way to more campuses. Uh, you know, I'm really interested to see what people say, how it changes the class scheduling process. And, you know, maybe even in just a year, we can reconvene. We can look at, you know, OK, now that it's been out there for another 12 months, what kind of effect have we seen on the, the entire higher education industry, we could even say. So there's a lot left to talk about. I'm looking forward to getting you both back on here soon in the future. But till then, thank you for joining us on the podcast. It was a real pleasure. Well, thank thank you. you so much for having us. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous ones, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. <laughs>